ready. Get your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter seven. Matthew chapter seven, we're gonna continue in the series that we've been in now for, this would be our second summer. And uh, we're in a series called The Way. We're, we've already been walking through Matthew chapter five last summer. We're in six and seven. We're about to make a turn into chapter seven. And we're kind of like in the home stretch of the Sermon on the Mount, the sermon that was given by the greatest preacher of all time. And it was probably the greatest sermon of all time. And what I want us to be able to do today, just quickly, is remember, do you remember back in chapter five? And if you haven't been here for all these, go back and look online and our, at, the, at the series, it's called The Way. You remember chapter five, what Jesus did, he went up on the mountain, sat down as a rabbi would, and people came to listen and they were talking and Jesus began to teach and his disciples are around him. The scripture says there were about 5,000 others who were there to hear and to listen. And he began to raise the bar about what it means to be a follower of the way. What it, he raised the bar of what it looks like to be holy. He said, listen, you've heard it said, but I tell you. So he is saying, listen, this is what the kingdom of the world says, but this is what I'm telling you. And he raises that bar. He gets into chapter six and he starts to outlining and helping us to see what it looks like to be worshipers, true worshipers. You'll remember the Jews of that day, they went to the synagogue and there were three main ways that they would worship. It would be through giving, through the giving of alms, through prayer and through fasting. And he, he called out to those people that were on that hillside listening. He said, listen, don't be like the, the Jews. Don't be like the religious elites. Don't be like the Pharisees, the hypocrites or the Gentiles. He said, listen, you, you got to check your motivations. Why are you doing what you're doing? Though they are doing the right practices, their hearts are far from them. They're far from me. They're not doing them in the, out of the right motivations. And so now that in chapter seven, I believe he's making a turn, if you will. He has kind of like gone, he's made the cut between the crowd and now he's called his committed to him. And I believe what he's doing right now is he's saying to those who are going to be his future followers, those that are around him, those that are listening, this now is what it means to look like when we follow as community, he, as church. He doesn't use the word church, but he begins to talk about what it looks like when we as individuals come together as body. You see, most of the things he's been talking about are personal, they're internal, they're individualized. And now he's going to begin helping us to see what does it look like when we as individuals who are individual followers of the way come together and we create a community. And he realizes that community can be very messy. After all, he created us. He knows that we are broken people because of sin. He knows that we uh, have a proclivity to sin often. And when we get together, relationships can be very messy. And into that, he begins talking at the beginning of chapter seven about what it looks like to judge, to be judging one another, not just judging outside, but those of us who are a part of the way, those of us who are a part of the kingdom, not just the kingdom of this world, because the kingdom of the world does it a certain way. But he says, listen, if you're a part of my kingdom, I'm calling you to look different and to see differently. And, and so he brings us together to begin looking at that. So if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 7, we're going to look at verses 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. And as we do each week, I'm going to ask that you stand in honor of the reading of God's word, and we're going to read his word. 
You follow along as I read, if you don't mind, Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 1. Jesus is speaking, and he says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you used, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? Verse five, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. And this is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. You know, this passage is not only one of the most well-known passages in all of the Bible, but it's also one of the most misused passages in all the Bible. It's also one of the ones that is the most confused. I think one of the, uh, someone has said recently, or as I was studying, uh, they, were, they were making the, the, the point that even the pagans know this verse. They love to use this verse. They may not know any other passage. They may not know any other of Jesus' sayings but they know this one and keep it very clear so they can pull it out of their back pocket at a moment's notice. And you know, the struggle for us as followers of Christ, uh, as the church, is that we don't know enough of the word or have a handle on the word of God to be able to take this word and the passages that he has to be able to refute that and to talk clearly about what he means here. Jesus is speaking to us here and he wants us to get this right. Why does he want us to get this right? Because he, he, he knows that we have a tendency as followers of his to begin to measure other people by our standards and not his. And so he begins by wanting us to catch this and begin to see this. Now, listen, in the world in which we live today, we don't want to define this passage by what the world and culture has to say. Because today, you hear everywhere, you can't judge me. You don't know me. You, you can't say that about me. What you believe cannot be forced on me. You have no right. And what the world has done is taken this passage, judge not, and they've turned it into you do you. And church, I need you to understand. It's important. We say this all the time. I say this continually. You know, I'm so thankful. Every week, Zion, in his prayer, he says, help us not to be just hearers of the word, but to be doers. You realize he has other things he could say. But the reason that he says that is because he wants to drill down into us to remember. Listen, we're not just listening. We're to obey. Each week, I come and I try to point to you. This is God's word his true word, his infallible word, his inerrant word. It is real. And in a world where everyone wants to say, hey, you do you. You be what you want to be. You think how you want to think. You can have your truth. I'm going to have my truth. That does not fly with the word of God. The word of God is our standard of truth. It is real. It is alive. It, we bring our thoughts, our actions, our ideas under the word of God because we submit ourselves to that. And, and some of you in here may go, well, man, that's good for you as a follower of Christ. No, we would say that this is God's truth for all of mankind, not just followers of Jesus Christ. This is real. And real life 
real truth is found only here. And so it's really important for us as followers of Christ to begin to get what it is that he's saying here. And so in there, he begins to talk to us about what does it mean to have the right judgment? What does it mean for us to, to begin to judge all right, now I'm gonna give you two points that I want you to look at today, all right? The first one, they're gonna sound a little contradictory at some level, but I wanna walk through this and I want you to begin to hear and hold with me. So if you got a pen and paper, you're thumbing some notes into something, I want you to write these down. The first one is this, is don't pronounce judgment. Don't pronounce judgment. And the second point is this, proclaim truth. Don't pronounce judgment, proclaim truth. So go with me here as we begin to talk through. Verse one, I'm gonna read verses one and two again. Jesus is speaking, he says, judge not that you not be judged, that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Uh, right now in uh, this historical time that we're living, uh, there are several new books being written by Tom, about Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson was one of the uh, early uh, fathers of the United States. Uh, or he major in writing, one of our presidents, I mean, diplomat, all of those kinds of things. Yeah, I don't know if you realize this or not, but Jefferson created his own Bible. It's called the Jefferson Bible. And what he did is he would take the New Testament and he took Jesus, the gospel specifically and he began to carve out anything that had to do with the divinity and the, uh, and the miracles of Christ where it was basically just good ethical teachings. Thomas Jefferson was, an, was a universalist. Well, you know, there are some people who actually, people who are, I would call, they are literary critical analysis folks who look at the book of Matthew and the Sermon on the Mount specifically, and they would say that this is exactly what Matthew did. Matthew took just the teachings of Jesus, and he kind of pulled them around, and he put them together and created the Sermon on the Mount. You see, the Sermon on the Mount really didn't happen. No, listen, good conservative biblical theological commentators and scholars will tell you this actually did happen. And I do believe that this truly did happen. And Jesus did sit down on a mountain and he proclaimed this. Why do I believe that? Because the arc of what it is that he's teaching begins to land in chapter seven. And in what he's done in five is he's raised the standard for holiness. Number, chapter six, he talks about what it looks like to worship him. And he knows, again, I want to reiterate this. He knows who we are because he's created us. And he realizes that as we begin to grow in our sanctification, sanctification, for those of you who may not know, means that we become more like Christ gradually. We, more and more, we look like Jesus Christ as we submit ourselves to his word. Well, as we begin to grow, there's going to be a tendency to begin to look at one another and wonder why they're not growing at the rate I'm growing. Why do they not see things the way I see them? And we begin to measure our holiness. We begin to measure what we do or don't do against someone else, which is something that we do, don't we? All of us do this. We all begin to look at someone else and, and make judgments about them. I wonder why they spend their money that way. I wonder why they do this. I wouldn't do that. That's not what I would have said. That's not the place I would have gone. I, I wouldn't have said it that way. We, we, hopefully, I'm not the only one in here that does this. We all make these kinds of judgments about one another. 
And the scripture Jesus begins to help us to see is, listen, we have a tendency to put ourselves in the place of God and we begin to make ourselves the measuring stick. We become the measuring line. We become the measuring cup for judgment and what is right and what is true. And Jesus is saying, he says, judge not that you be not, that you be not judged. He says, for, look at verse two. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. He says, that's what, the, what you judge by, that's where it's going to land on you. Now listen, wait a minute, Kyle. You're saying this point is don't pronounce judgment. Jesus says, don't judge. You're saying, I'm going to tell you that it, before we get too far away, we do have the ability to make judgments. See, when you're reading scripture, you have to read it in context, all right? It's very important. This is where people get way off in left field is when you find a verse, when you find a verse and you take it and then you're going to build a truth all the way around that. You have to read it in context. What's, what does it say in this passage? What does it say within the chapter? What does it say within the book? Oh, and if it doesn't really make sense, uh, that, I don't know how that works. Then you start looking at it as across all the books of the New Testament. How does it fit within the, 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 the Bible itself? So you have to begin to look at it in context. So before we talk about what he's saying, I want to be really clear about what he's not saying. I want to be really clear. So if you've got a piece of paper, I want you to go and look at these uh, a little later. I'm going to give you some passages that I want you to be able to see to be able to help you to understand that Jesus isn't saying not to judge. Verse 6, just pull your finger down there. Verse 6, he tells us not to give what is holy to a dog. He says, don't throw pearls before swine. How do we know what is holy what is pearls? How do we know what is a dog and what is a pig? You have to make a judgment. You've got to have discerning. Look at verse 15. In verse 15, and we're going to see this later on, not today, but next week. In verse 15, Jesus says, and he cautions the church against there are going to be people who come in who are going to appear to be sheep, but they're really wolves, and they're going to be, have false teaching. Listen, you, you, you can't, you, you have to look at pigs and Sheep and wolves and dogs and make discernment. You, we have to be able to judge some things. John chapter 7, verse 24. John 7, 24 says this, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. He says judge with right judgment. You see, he has called us not only to judge, but to do it rightly, Okay. He's not expecting us not to. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Many of you know this. In Romans chapter 12, verse, verse 2, he says, discern what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Discern what is good, acceptable, and perfect. That takes judgment. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21 and 22, we're told to test everything, hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Folks, we're not called not to judge. We are called to make judgments, to have discernments. I want you to see another passage. This is in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 12. This will be on the screen here. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 12. Paul's writing to a church that was really, really messed up in Corinth. I mean, they were, 
They were doing some wicked stuff within the body. It was messy. And here's what he says. He says, for what have I to do with judging outsiders? Outsiders are those who are not followers of Christ. We can, as followers of Jesus, we look on the outside and we look at them and go, that's whacked. What they're doing and what they believe, that's whacked. But notice what he says there at the end of verse 12. He says, is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? Folks, now, I, I want to be really clear here. We, we, I want to be really, really clear. Uh, he's calling us to be careful about the type of judgments that we proclaim. And what is that measuring line that we proclaim by? You see, it, we should never be the standard by which we judge someone else. That comes only from the word of God. You see, the text isn't calling us to abandon judgment. It's calling us to a certain type of judgment that we must hold to. His judgment, his word. So if he's not calling us not to judge, then what is it that he's calling us and teaching us to do here. He's teaching us not to pronounce judgments where we are in the role of God. It's not against what I say. It's against what he says. We fall under his rule. We fall under his reign. And so we use his word to help us to be able to make right discernments and right judgments. The problem comes when we begin to apply a standard, our standard, to someone else. And they're not living up to how I would do it. They're not living up to what I would say. They're not handling their finances in this way because I I wouldn't do that. You know this is true. You're driving down 24, 65, 40 Broad Street. And the car's going really slow. It just keeps getting slower and slower. And maybe it, 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 it's kind of going, it's not gone out of the lane, but it's, it's like using every bit of the lane it's in. You decide to pass and get up there by. And what you see is someone over there, they're doing this. And you, you get fired up at them because they're texting, put the phone down is what you start screaming. And like 15 minutes later, what are you doing? Your phone rings and you've got, oh, I've got it in a holder, but I'm going to try to mess with it up here on the, you, you begin to do the exact same thing. It's so easy when we begin to look at someone else and how they spend their money. And you're thinking, I would never spend my money that way. You begin to look at how someone, you're around a group of people who are followers of Jesus Christ and you hear them speak a certain way and you go, what are they doing? I, I, I wouldn't do that. Listen, we all face this. And the issue is not, can we speak into it? It's what is the standard by which we are judging them? And so often what ends up happening is, is we're using our own standards. We're using us as the measuring rod. We're using us as the measuring scoop. Have you ever, listen, I... um, in our house, when the kids were growing up, we used to make a lot of oatmeal during the, uh, during the uh, uh, winter. Good and warm, went a long way. You know, with oatmeal, you take one scoop of oatmeal, two cups of water, two water, one. You know what we end up doing? We end up doing that exact same thing in our own life. We, we want to make sure that we scoop ourselves really nice. We're going to be really graceful and merciful for how our, we handle our own sin, but when we see someone else in it, boy, we are like white on rice, aren't we? We're jumping on it. We're going at it. 
We're trying to make sure we are on. You know what that's called? That's called a critical spirit. We're using a measuring rod. We're using a measuring cup of judgment that is us. And that's not what Jesus has called us to. He says, listen, you got to be careful. How you judge is how you're going to be judged. You ever heard the thing, the, the old saying about uh, it, people who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones? Why? Because that stone's going to come back at you. That's tr- Jesus is calling us to have right judgment. And what is that right judgment? It's him. It's his word. As followers of the way, as kingdom people, people who are following a different way, not the way of the world, we're to use his word and how it is that we speak and how it is that we walk with believers, how it is that we walk in each other's lives. He says, don't put yourself in my place. Don't put yourself in the place of God because you're not the standard. He alone is. It's not my personal opinion that counts. It's God's opinion that counts. What does he have to say about what we're facing and what you're doing and what we're, what's happening in, in, in our world today? So if we're not to pronounce judgment, don't pronounce judgment, uh, what, what do we do? Well, number two is we proclaim truth. So let's, let's kind of flesh this out. Let's flesh this out. Verses three, four, and five say this. Jesus continues on. He says, why do you speak? Why do you, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Verse four, or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. I want you to begin to notice something here, okay? I wanna be, I'm, I'm, uh, we're gonna come back to this. He doesn't say that we shouldn't pronounce some judgments. He gives us an order in which that should happen though and how that needs to take place. You remember, uh, I guess it's been two weeks ago, we were in chapter six, Jesus began, he he gave a teaching about uh, money and possessions, and then he moved to an illustration about eyes. He comes back to that same illustration. He comes back to an illustration of eyes again. And he, he begins to hone in on sawdust and logs, basically. Sawdust and logs. It's called specks and logs. And in fact, the, the word here in, in Greek for log uh, is, is like a beam. It's like a beam that would go across the, the top of a, uh, of a roof line or a beam that would be a header on a doorway. And what he is drawing out here is this. He says, you're making pronouncements, you're making judgment calls uh, against one another where you set yourself up as the arbiter of right and wrong, and you're trying to do that when you're doing the exact same thing. You're trying to go and take sawdust out of your brother or your sister's eyes when you have a beam sticking out. Basically, you got a two by four in your your eye. He's calling us, he's calling us brothers and sisters to have basically eye surgery. There's not a one of us in it. Some of you in here have already had some cataract surgery You've, you've done that. Maybe you've had LASIK. You know what the world's worst thing to, be, to have done is? Is have eye surgery by a blind person. <laughs> Silly, isn't it? You would never want to have eye surgery by a blind person. And yet he uses the illustration that you're trying. Uh, listen, 
Did you notice here? He says, you hypocrites. In chapter five and chapter six, he says, hey, people, those who want to follow me, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like the hypocrites. Don't, don't say one thing and do another. Now he turns this and he gets pointed and he says, you hypocrites. You see, he's honing in on his people to say, listen, my people, followers of the way, we don't judge off ourselves. You don't judge off yourself. We have to see things clearly. If we're going to be able to see clearly to, to walk in a brother's or sister's life, we have to be at first pull the log out of our own eye. We first have to pull the log out of our own eye. Notice what he says in chapter five, or excuse me, verse five. In verse five, he doesn't say remove the log and leave the speck. You catch that? Just like back in chapter six, when the, when, when the Pharisees and the Gentiles were making a mockery of the things of worship, he didn't say, because they're making a mockery of it, you shouldn't do it. He says, no, you need to examine your life and examine your heart. You see, he's not saying that we shouldn't walk in other people's lives, in other brothers' and sisters' lives. He's saying there is an order in which this must be done. Look at verse 5 again. He says, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then, first, and then. You see, as followers of Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, we have to know the Word of God. We, we've got to be letting the word of God soak into us. We have to surrender our lives first as followers of his, where he changes us from the inside out. He takes out our heart of stone. He puts in a heart of flesh. Why? Because God sent his one and only son to walk this earth. He lived a perfect life. Because he lived a perfect life, he was able to make the judgments that he made. When he spoke to the people, he spoke with grace, with mercy, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, it threatened them. It threatened their power hold. They didn't like what he had to say. You know what they did? They killed him. They put him on a tree. They murdered him. They laid him in a tomb. Three days later, he rose again. And today the scripture says that he is alive and seated at the right hand of God, the Father. He lives to make intercession for us. So he, the perfect judge, he is the standard by which we have the ability to make now the standards and the judgments and the discernments that we make as brothers and sisters and walk in one another's lives. I ask you this quite often. Is there someone that you've given permission to walk in your life to say, hey, I need you to guard me. I need you to watch me. I need you to help me to stay true and strong and right. Is there someone that you have done that with? There are men in this body. There is a woman, my wife, who has the ability to speak into my life and say, hey, I don't think what you're doing is right. There are men in this body who walk in my life. If they see me act, speak, do something that doesn't measure up to the word of God. Who have you called? Who have you said, I need you? Can you is there someone? Do you have someone like that? This is what the Lord is speaking. This is what the Lord Jesus is speaking. He is saying, listen, don't make judgments and pronunciations. Don't do that based on you. You make those based on the word. 
And he says, you need to make sure before you go and speak to a brother. Listen, if, if I see something going on with Sam McAnally and I think that, man, there's something, I don't know if this measures up right. You know what the Lord calls me to do? to get into my prayer closet. Father, is there something in me right now? What I'm noticing here, I'm asking for your intercession. I'm asking for you to go before me. Is there something in my life right now that I need to come clean on so that I can go to Sam? God, you have saved me. You gave me grace. You gave me a gift that I didn't deserve. You withheld, you withheld the penalty. That's called mercy. Because you did that, it helped me to begin to see clearly so that when I go to Sam and I speak to Sam, I, I'm not going, hey, bro, listen. I'm not going boat up. I'm going from a heart that says, listen, there but by the grace of God go I. Listen, Sam, I've pulled the log out of my own eye. I know what you're walking in. That's what we need, brothers and sisters. That's what we need in our body. That's what you need in your home. That's what we need to remain strong because I'm gonna tell you, there are all kinds of opinions out here today. There's all kinds of philosophies. There's all kinds of worldly advice. There's all kinds of things because the enemy takes that much of truth and then he mixes it up and makes a cake that looks really good but will poison you. I hope you're catching the metaphors here. And we need brothers and sisters before we bite into that cake to say, oh, 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 do you realize what you're doing? You think that right there is gonna take away all your worry, all your pain, but you're using that as a coping thing. And you know why I can say that to you? Because I've done that. And I care about you. I love you as a brother or sister. Listen, I'm not judging you out of my own standards. But the word of God says this, and this is where life is found. I've walked in this. You see, guys, we are called to make decisions. We are called to make judgments. We are called to discern with our brothers and sisters what is right and wrong, to protect one another, to come alongside, because the enemy, he is a thief. He is a liar. He is a lion who is seeking whom he may devour. And we need one another to watch out and protect us, not to make judgments and critical, but to come alongside. John Christosom, who was an early church father, Christosom uh, is a transliterated word, transliterated word from the Greek Christosomos, which I'm told means golden mouth. He was John the golden mouth. He was a great orator. And here's what he says about this passage. He says, we correct, correct your brother, not as a foe, not as an adversary, as in exacting a penalty, but as a physician providing medicines. Yes, even more, as a loving brother anxious to restore and rescue. Ladies, you have a sister that you trust, that you would go to and say, if you see me swerving, I need you to help correct me. Men, do you have a brother a brother who knows Jesus, not a good dude at work. I mean, somebody who knows Jesus and you look at their life and you go, that Jesus is all over them. Do you have a brother that you would go to and say, hey, listen, if you see me, I need help. 
I need you to come alongside me. I need you to pronounce God's word over my life and into my life to protect me. Do you have that person? It's, listen, I'm telling you, it's time as a follower of Jesus. That's what we need in our world today because there are many, many opinions out there. There are many philosophies out there. There are many people who truly believe they know what's right for you and right for society. You know, we're in a season of sports uh, where really all that's on is baseball. I'm not a big fan of baseball. Sorry, Rodney. Um, You know, it's just so slow. If we could figure out a way to speed it up. Uh, But I do enjoy it. Uh, Y'all remember, uh, anybody ever heard of Babe Ruth? Babe Ruth, okay. Huge, huge baseball player back in the 20s and 30s, I believe it is. Uh, I mean, he was like uh, home run... Home run king. Uh, he was a major, major player. New York Yankees. Uh, Babe, was, they were at Yankee Stadium. He's standing in his in the bat, uh, and there was an umpire named Babe Pinelli. Bet you've not heard of that Babe. Babe Pinelli was calling balls and strikes, and Babe Ruth took a called third strike. For those of you who don't know baseball. Uh, called third strike is he watched the pitch go by rather than swinging. He watched the pitch go by, strike three, Bay Pinelli punched him out. You're out, gone, you're done. The crowd starts screaming. I mean, scream, I mean, they're boo, boo. Babe Ruth turns and looks, as you've seen on television before, as, as baseball players do many times. He turns and he faces Babe Pinelli and he, he starts kind of giving him what for. He says, you hear, don't you? 40,000 people in the stadium, they know what you did is wrong. They know that ball was a ball. That was not a strike. Pinelli looks at him straight face and says, babe, you may be right, but in this moment, the only opinion that matters is mine. You're out of here. Babe turned, just kind of walked back in. Folks, I need you to hear me. Today, the only opinion for us that matters is the word of God. This is it. This is it. Everyone's got an idea. Everyone's got an opinion about how you should live, what you should do, where you should go, how you should act, the thoughts that you should have, what makes a good citizen, what makes a good friend, what makes a great whatever. It could be financial, sexual, relational. It may be how to be a good son, a good daughter, a good wife, but here's what I need you to hear. The opinion that matters is what does Jesus say? This is it. This is it. And my question to you today is who is walking with you to help you as a follower of the way live as a child of the kingdom and not a child of the way, because a child of the, uh, 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 of the kingdom of the, of the world. Because here's what I know. Here's what you know. Left unto myself, I'm looking at everybody and measuring them against me. What he's called us to is to measure against the word. What does he have to say? What does he desire for our lives? That takes a team. That takes people walking with us and caring for us and loving us enough to walk in our lives with his word. 
And that's what I call you to today. That's what I'm calling us to today. Some of you today in here, you don't know Jesus as your Savior. You've never trusted him. Uh, Maybe you've gone to church all your life. Maybe like you have been around a church since you were nine months before you were born. I don't know. But I'm not talking about just going to church. I'm talking about has there been a point when you surrendered your life to Jesus? We're going to see in the next couple of weeks, Jesus says that you're going to know a tree by its fruit. An apple tree produces apples. An orange tree produces oranges. Followers of Jesus, we see the character of Christ. We see holiness and righteousness, not perfection, not perfection. So some of you today, you can't walk in that because you've never surrendered your life to him. You, you've tried to put your faith and finances and family and grandpa and grandma and doing the right things and, and it's left you empty and dry. And today, the Holy Spirit is here calling you to put your faith in Jesus, him alone the one who will never fail you. When the world says, oh, he's just another way. No, he said he is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And no one gets to see God except through him. And so today, that's what I call you to. Some of you in here today, you're followers of Jesus but you've been making pronouncements and holding everyone to a standard that's your standard. It's not Jesus' standard. It's not God's word. You've not been graceful and merciful. You've not been walking in someone's life saying, hey, I, I want to walk with you. I want to care for you. I, I, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to hold the word of God up. Listen, the, the world... This is foolishness. This is foolishness. We still need to proclaim the truth of the gospel. We proclaim the truth of the gospel to the world. But you know what? The world's going to do lost things. As followers of Jesus, though, we're called to look like Jesus. And that's what I call us to today. Walking in one another's lives with his word so that we might have true power. We might have true life. Life here today that's abundant. Here's our response today. Our response today is this. Maybe you need to surrender your life to Christ. I'm gonna be down here. Maybe you wanna come back to the back and see me after the service. I wanna pray with you. I wanna talk with you. You can do that here. You can do it back there. Maybe you are today, you've recognized, man, I've been holding people to a standard that's mine, not the word. I've been critical. Like, my spirit is critical. Uh, When my wife normally sits right here in the first service, that's why I keep directing to her. When she critiques me and helps me get better, she's speaking life into me. She doesn't like it when I get critical. When I'm critical, it is like destroying and tearing down. Some of you today, you've realized, man, that's the judgment I've been 
placing on people. It's about me and what my standard is, not what the Lord says. So how are we going to do that today? Well, today, uh, Zion, I want you to stay. We're going to take some time here, and we're, we're, gonna, we're just going to pray. The altar's open. You can turn your chair into an altar. You can sit there and just ask the Lord, Lord, I'm asking you to speak to me. Reveal to me in my heart. Reveal to me what it is that you alone desire. And I want to say this. For some of you, this is going to be really uncomfortable. We're going to sit and just be quiet and let you talk to the Lord. Because ultimately, that's the most important voice for you to hear today. Father, I love you and I thank you. I'm asking that today, Father, the, the difficulty of the text. Father, I'm asking that you would give soft hearts. I'm asking that hard words produce a soft heart. And would you do that in our lives? Would you make us men and women who love your word? Would you make us men and women who love the body and want them to walk with us? Would you make us men and women who seek your approval alone? Now then, in the quietness of this room, I'm going to give you freedom to do what you need to do. Father, today, I pray that you would have your way in our lives. Father, I'm asking that uh, you would apply your grace and extend your mercy. I'm asking that you would save people today. 
Lord, I'm asking that you would, God, you would convict us of where we have been judging others wrongly. Father, help us to be able to proclaim your truth after rightly seeing who we are and what you've done in our lives. Help us not to hold back truth, but help us to do that in a way that shows that we've been changed, that we've walked and experienced your grace. Help us not to shy away. Father, today, save people. We love you and we magnify you. And it's in the name of Jesus that I ask these things today. Amen.